Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Commander Clash podcast. A little bit different crew this week. Tomer is uh, traveling and lost his luggage or something, so at the last minute he couldn't make it. But we got the rest of the crew here, and we got a super fun topic today. We are going to be talking about the Warhammer 40k Commander decks. We actually went through and tier ranked most of the cards in this. Obviously, there's so many new cards. We can't talk about all of them, but we're going to have the full tier list posted if you want to see our thoughts on it. And then we're going to talk about some of the most interesting cards and some of our favorite cards from the set. But before we get into that, we got to introduce everyone. First, we got Phil. How's it going today, Phil? Hey, everything's fine. Apparently, it it's winter again, and it's super cold <laughs> in here. Like three yeah. years ago, I was sweating, and now it's I'm in a sweater. <laughs> wow. Whew. Yeah, it, wow, that must be nice, fast. Phil. That must no, be it's nice. Not, I'm, no, I'm it was cool for <laughs> no, 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 cool for one day. So, oh wow, finally I don't sweat anymore now. Oh my, it's so cold. <laughs> it sucks pretty bad, and that's like most of the climate here for most of the year. So, I gotta get used to this again. Adjusting. I gotta move. I gotta move in with, with Phil. I gotta move. I I, I can't handle this. Cali- we're about to have like another heat wave. Oh, <laughs> are you really? Oh my goodness! <laughs> and it's the it, we're moving into October and it's still hot. Yeah, I'm glad. Uh, I'm glad I'm dodging that. New York's like kind of nice right now. Actually, this is like the best time of the year before it gets super cold and it's also not super hot. But you're there. We got another ghost. I hate a hot one. Literally out in uh, California. Krim, <laughs> how are you today, Krim? Uh, sweaty. <laughs> oh, I, I bet. But I have my breakfast ready, so I'm ready to go. I've got some applesauce, adults applesauce, as in it is apple. Adults can drink it. Because it's age three plus, <laughs> so I am of the age to 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 drink this applesauce. Does, do they actually have a age range on applesauce? I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> I think it's like three plus. It said so on the box. Oh, but I have excellent. met. I, <laughs> I have met the age requirement. I am ready. <laughs> All right. Well, well, cream is applesauced. Phil is cold. It's time for our podcast. Before we jump into the Warhammer decks, we got a, a couple of reminders. Uh, one is. I think the big one is, if you need to support the show, you should head over to mtggoldfishmerch.com. You can get a playmat, you can get a t-shirt, you can get a deck box. We got tons of stuff over there. And, of course, it's always nice if you like and subscribe and do all the click the dingle dangle stuff, whatever Tomer says at this point in the podcast. But do all that stuff, too. It's certainly helpful. But anyway, let's talk Warhammer 40k Commander decks. And like I said, we're going to post the whole tier list so you can see our rankings on everything. But we're going to talk about some of our favorite individual cards. And let's kick it off with Phil. Phil, what do you got from us from the Warhammer 40k decks? So when the decks were spoiled, uh, pretty early the commanders were spoiled, and that was uh, Manius Kalgar, uh, the coolest commander ever printed, and my next commander. I was searching for something, and that is exactly what I was looking for. So it's a... Well, let me pull up the card real quick here. Here it is. So... Manius Kalga, 5 mana, Esper Colors, 3-5 Double Strike, don't necessarily care about this. Whenever one or more tokens enters the battlefield under your control, draw a card, oh my. And 6 mana, no need for tapping it, create 2-2-2 White Astartes Warrior Creature Tokens with Vigilance. So you might notice that it doesn't say Creature Tokens for the first ability, so I mean it's not green, but if you have a Tireless Track and create a clue that mm-hmm. create, that draws a card, and that's smothering tithe. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to play so. smothering tithe, but that's obviously <laughs> the best one. It's like 
It's a bit like Crossbra in which better than super plunder. <laughs> it yes. <laughs> uh, I, but 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 you make so many treasures. Although pitiless yeah, plunder I mean, does seem pretty comboy. Good. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm probably gonna play the plunderer, but at some point, like with uh, smothering tide, that's a little bit too much. But yeah, you draw with every token, which is exactly what I love to do. It's like Crossbar where it's not like. Oh, you do this mechanic, but hey, Cascade casts from exile and this casts from exile. And that, it's the same with this. It's like anything that creates a token, like Black Market Connections is a great one as well. Like Bits of Blossom. Oh, I can't. This deck is <laughs> just going to be so cool. I yeah immediately got this deck and I'm insanely hyped for it. It's like, wow. Too bad it's it not does. green. But then again, I already <laughs> play a green token commander in Lotus, so... Oh, this is perfect. I, I'm so hyped for I, this. I actually kind of like that it's not green because Esper is kind of a unique token color. So it's giving a powerful commander to a color combination that hasn't really had the archetype supported. I should mention, I forgot to mention this earlier. As far as our tier list rankings, it's the same one we always use. Uh, S tiers, like, always play it. A tiers, good in a lot of decks. B tiers, good in some decks, a small percentage of decks. C tiers, kind of like filler. D tiers, don't play it. Like, discard it to your gamble. And as far as rankings here, Phil has this one at S. Uh, yeah, mm, Krim had it. <laughs> It be. I had a hard time ranking the commanders from this set because I think this is one of the most interesting commanders. As far as like a 99 card, though, I think it's kind of a B. Like, you'd only play in a token deck, probably. Like, if you're playing it in the 99, I don't think I would just run it in some random Esper deck. But if you're having, uh, if you're playing a token deck, it seems really, uh, really, really strong. And I was surprised the first time I read this card that first ability, the when one or more tokens enter the battlefield under your control, to draw a card. That looks like the kind of ability that in most sets these days would be like, only do this once a turn or something, but there's no restriction on that. Like, that is, like, build around it, and you can just go to town and draw so many cards with uh, with this card. So I, I like this one quite a bit. It seems like a really sweet build around in a cool color combination, but what do you think, Grim? Are you on the, the Calgar train? I okay, so I think that Kalgar is like interesting. It's a it's a cool, as you had mentioned, cool new kind of commander in these colors. Um and that's that's sweet, but like all around I, I think it's just okay. Like it's just a solid card. It's really good in token decks. Like if you can like pop off with like Bitter Blossom or whatever, uh, you just play this uh in that deck. And the one thing I noticed a lot about this like entire tier list, essentially, in a lot of these cards is they're so niche and specific to certain decks so that's why i like i have so many things rated at a b here and like this yep. is just one of them where it's like you need it to like be in a token deck or but when you get it in the token deck it is solid right it has double strike it itself can do combat quite nicely um but it doesn't really benefit from a lot of the things that the token decks like to play like intangible virtue right like so like it, it itself will not get stronger from it but that's not that major of a loss when you're drawing tons of cards every time you like make any kind of token so it's a yeah, solid token commander infinite mana like it, yeah it it's pretty good in tokens by the way my s rating is just because i i wouldn't give it anything less than an s <laughs> don't put it in a random esper deck uh but if you have infinite mana you do also draw your entire deck and create infinite tokens so it's not just value but actually a payoff which is pretty pretty good these days I just yeah, I mean, God, yeah, as this might be a bit too much, but I'm not gonna back down. It's like giving a tireless track on S. I don't even care. 
Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely a sweet one. But uh, there's so many sweet cards in the in this. Set. I had a hard time with it, just like Krim, where I got a lot of bees on my list as well. But I think that's going to be natural with a precon because each precon has its own theme, and those themes are like pretty solid. Like there's a demon theme precon, and that demon theme precon has a lot of cards that if you're a demon deck. They're, like, awesome, and I would play them in pretty much any demon deck, but if you're not playing a demon deck, what are you going to do with, like, a three-drop that makes your demons cost two less or something? Like, it's just, like, outside of that, you wouldn't do anything with it. So I think that's, like, normal for precons, but let's keep moving forward. Krim, what's your uh, first card for us today? My first card is the only S card I've rated on this entire Ooh. tier list. Ooh. It is the Ruinous Powers. Two black-red enchantment. At the beginning of your upkeep, choose an opponent at random. Exile the top card of that player's library. Until end of turn, you may play that card and you may spend mana as though it were mana of any color to cast it. When you cast a spell this way, its owner loses life equal to its mana value. Now, much like Phil had, uh, you know, has, his, uh, you know, Calgar at S, uh, mostly just because he loves that card. I, I, this is the card that I, I don't know if I'm jamming in every five color deck. However, it is pretty darn powerful right like getting to like punish your opponent like obviously you get those turns where you hit a land and they lose nothing and that just happens with these type of cards but these cards this card i have it rated at an s because it's so fun these kind of play styles they make it so that the gameplay with these cards aren't like the same pattern like they aren't the same thing it's not like a guaranteed same result you're every time i'm gonna hit your i don't know uh your, your five drop hidden commander bomb or whatever this card also like whenever I, I i cast any of your spells you'll lose life so it is going to kill you if you play a bunch of clunky spells um and the nice thing is that it doesn't care what mana i'm using so i love these kind of effects i love theft effects i love the randomness of it like you know who i'm choosing it's it's fair you, you don't have to like politic with me because i don't know i don't know who i'm choosing it's whatever that like whatever rng chooses these kind of cards are just the most fun so i have it as an s just because i love the chaos esque like play style and the randomness which i could understand if a lot of people you like didn't like it because of that so you know like I oh mean, no i landed on the birds deck i'm gonna <laughs> hit two drops i don't I don't think most play groups have a birds player though that's more of a us problem than a commander yeah, yeah, community true. problem but <laughs> <laughs> but really it, it draws an extra card every turn like that's yeah. not bad i'm a huge believer in uh in enchantments that draw an extra card each turn. I, I love them irrationally, like Phyrexian Arena, which no one else even likes anymore. But I still, I just love those cards. And this is a really fun one. Like, it, sure, it's drawing from your opponent's deck, which is probably worse than drawing from your deck, because as you said, you don't know how good the cards in your opponent's deck are going to be for your deck. But still, it's card advantage. It gets some damage in there. I gave it an A. I think Phil gave it a B. I wouldn't play this in every deck, but I do think this is... I didn't have any S's on my tier list. I didn't have anything that I thought you just ought to include in every deck so this is for me in the top tier of the cards from this pre-con and one of the ones that i expect to see a lot of play also goes up in value if you're playing stuff that cares about being cast for max i like prosper i know everything's gonna oh, prosper weird. these days yeah. but but <laughs> if you have synergies for casting from exile it gets even better yeah yeah if we rate on fun i'd probably give an, an a as well but there's a lot of effects like this like what is this stolen strategy yeah kind of similar it's super fun but everyone's deck too. You gotta pay one yeah, more mana. Yeah, from this one stolen is like strategy is everyone's random. deck. It's fun. But that I wish one doesn't burn. Would be. That's yeah, but true. I don't care about winning the game. <laughs> Phil doesn't want to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> what better than to like like steal an opponent's spell and then also burn them all the way down with it? Like, like, if it would not? burn, like 
yeah. any target. Oh my, that would be great. I guess card advantage, but this one, yeah. I mean, it's cool, but it's, it's not uh, a to as cool for me. I I get it. It's probably super fun, and you're definitely not the villain when you cast this. Like, what are you gonna do about it? You can. Yeah, yeah. You're probably gonna rip a lance a lot of the time. I ripped can you your play lands? Mm -hmm. Can you play lands with this? Uh, Ooh, what is the wording? So the wording is that you may play. play. Oh, yes. yes. Okay. So you should be able to should be able so to that hit lands too, which is pretty nice. good. At least you oh have a Oh my safe god, hit that's then. perfect for me. I can't oh, so if I can hit my fourth <laughs> mana, I'm good. Like I I can just like hit <laughs> Yeah. I just hope I trust one of your, your lands. Trust your opponent's deck, yeah, to give you the lands you need. <laughs> I'm gonna run less lands in my deck now. <laughs> because oh, this oh no, Grim, don't don't do that. Don't do that, please. <laughs> uh all right, let's let's move on to my first card. And this is a card that I think is one of the most generically good cards from the set. Like I said, I didn't have any S-tier cards, but this is a high A for me. And I think that if you're in the colors, it's probably a decent addition in a lot of decks. And that is uh, Atalan Jackal, a three-mana gruel, two-two, human tyrannid scout. I added a couple extra letters in there, I think. But it's a human scout with one of the weird Warhammer creature types. It has trample and haste, and when it deals combat damage to a player, you get to search your library for a basic land, put it on the battlefield, tapped and shuffle. So this is a repeatable three-mana ramp spell. And I know in Commander... Two mana is kind of the sweet spot. Everyone wants their nature's lures. Everyone wants their far seeks. But I think this has a lot of upside. Because of haste, there's a pretty good chance if you can get this down on turn three, you can probably smash into someone that doesn't have a creature yet. It doubly so if you can get it down on turn two off of a land of elves or birds of paradise or something. And if you ramp with it once, it kind of did its job. You kind of got a far seek and some damage out of it or a rampant growth and some damage out of it. But then it has the upside that if this will stick on the battlefield in the next turn, maybe you put an equipment on it and it has trample and you attack someone else and you get another land so i think the repeatable ramp ability combined with those two mechanics of trample and haste makes this a card that i'm pretty interested in playing in any sort of like beat downy style gruel or three color deck so maybe not quite on the same level as the best ramp spells in the format but it's getting it for damage too works well with equipment and all those synergies so i really like this card quite a bit but what do you guys think how how good is uh, the jackal I have this rated as a C. Ooh. I, I I think this is like pretty low on my list, right? I mean, it's just like it, it's just a two-two. I if I'm gonna ramp, I want to guarantee the ramp, right? I like what if someone just has like a solemn. If you top deck this any later than turn three, then you're like staring at boards where like a commander can be on the board or something can just block it and not care, and then you're now just like stuck with what is essentially a three mana haste two-two. Right, like the trample is irrelevant. If you're playing Voltron, you probably aren't in need of this card in the deck anyway. So, like, I I, I think that this card just doesn't. I don't know. It, it's nice when it pops off. Like, you'll have the games where you know it comes down. It's haste. Nobody like it's a table of crims, and nobody's got a creature for like a hundred turns. Sure, but on average, I feel like like if you don't have this on turn three, it's just gonna get blocked. And it's I would rather just guarantee the ramp, play the Kodama's Reach, play the Cultivate. You know, and and and. As le unless you're Tomer, the like you're starting to run less like basics, right? People people are running less basics, so like I don't know, the upside of this card like you know isn't worth the card slot to me. It's okay, like I don't think it's like the worst thing I've ever seen. It's just okay. Yeah, I wish it were a three two. Like I rate, rated it as a B because I can see that if you play a deck where this card fits like aggressive and gruel and attacking and smashing 
you probably have ways to make sure your creatures go through, although you can't really do it. You really have to have it on turn three. Being a 2-2, though, that's, uh, especially in the eyes of uh, Solemn Simulacrum, that's a little <laughs> little small. Maybe 2-3 would be nice. I mean, we I... have seen a lot of games where somebody plays, like, a Raghavan or something, and it just hits every turn. Like, if you have three players, somebody, I mean, but somebody's playing. But one mana. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And I mean, one mana. And... and... And the the ceiling on that that dude is like absurd, right? Yeah. Like, so so like that's like for a three mana two two, and you only get a like it. I think honestly, it could have just gotten a land. Ooh. right? Like oh yeah, oh ooh, that, that would right? be like, that yeah. would be pretty powerful. I mean, it's it's a sort of animist. It has a built in sort of animus, and sort of the animus sees quite a bit of play. I know it sees Wait, play in sort of the animus. No, 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 sword is on attack. Yeah, yeah, it, it's on attack. This has to deal the damage, right? Which is way different than a sort of the anime. Like, okay. uh, <laughs> but how often are you chump attacking with your your sort of the animus? Yeah, all right, all right. Oh, but, but I mean, like, I mean, how, that like, that's different. what I mean. You're not you're not even doing that, right? So why would I spend three mana on a two two? I just I don't know. I I think this card just doesn't do enough. Like, yeah, give it first strike even. Yeah, like, I, I know it strike. may seem weird. Then, oh, double cool. strike would be powerful. Double, double strike would have been nice. Then you could have left it at basic. It's just like it doesn't do enough, right? Like it, it's just a two-two. <sighs> ah, it but it does it every turn. turn. I I will show you the well. If, if they if add it, it to Moto, I will show you. <laughs> well, Somebody I mean, break it in Legacy. <laughs> the way I'm thinking of it is like usually there's someone that's getting smashed. A lot of times it's me. I'm the one that doesn't have a creature, <laughs> and someone's going to be like, oh, I got to attack you to get my treasure. I got to trigger my Raghavan. I got to just flip my dowsing dagger. And you end up being the punching bag for those early turns. I don't know. Maybe you play a game but, where, like, everyone has defense set up early in the game and it doesn't work out. But I feel like a lot of games of Commander, it's probably going to work out in a way that you have someone that you can attack. And really, if like, you it, well, if you get two that, triggers, yeah, exactly. I think it's worth it. Well, that's exactly it. Like Phil just mentioned, you have to have it on three for that to happen, right? So any turn after that, like this card is just so – I essentially skipped a draw step in some situations if I draw this after like turn five. Like I, I feel like after turn five, somebody's going to block, right? Like every, something's going to be on the board. So but at it's the same time though, almost. like if you draw a rampant growth on tur- after turn five, like – that's kind of a bust too, isn't it? At least this is giving you a body that can like jump lock or wear an equipment or like yeah. uh, maybe it doesn't get you the land, but it's I would say it's not any worse than drawing a rampant growth in the late game. That's so, actually so would good you point. would you play a three mana two two? Because at that point, like you know, I don't, I don't see the body as just anything, you know, either. Hmm. Right? I would rather just Kodama's reach and net a real land and, and then actually have a backup land, right? Like, did you play well, a aggressive gruel deck? I mean, well, you wouldn't play well, it in control, obviously, or something. But no, but is this even aggressive? I mean, I'm imagining yeah. you're like putting putting equipment on it, and there's like if there's synergies in your deck for that. Like you're trying to attack, you're trying to put swords on things. It does interact pretty well with equipment and stuff. So maybe A is too high. Maybe it's a maybe it should be a B card where it's decks I, that can support those synergies. But I think in those decks, it seems like it's pretty decent. Eh, I don't know. I see it as a ma- like if I'm being generous, I would say it's like a low B. It just seems like a C to me. It's not like the worst card I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's just average, and I think it's that exact situation. And it's that if I don't draw it turn three, it feels bad. If I'm an aggro deck, do I want this? Um, like, 
Uh, like it just doesn't it's not even that aggressive right it, it just has a haste unless you, you're building haste tribal that's the again that's where Ooh, it pushes yeah. kind of like into <laughs> be like i'm literally just building haste tribal like that's it then well, okay. to be fair that's uh the goal of these decks is to give niche strategies some support i mean better than having a like uh commander lotus what's it called jeweled lotus or something in here so the cards are all bees because they are mostly just build arounds i just can't put myself in the headspace of playing gruel agro maybe that's the problem (laughs) well let's let's keep moving forward i think you got a sweet saga for us maybe phil what do you what do you got for its next i also from the imperial deck here birth of the imperium five mana same mana cost as the commander asper colors to colorless it's a saga, and the first chapter is create a 2-2 white Astartes warrior creature token with vigilance for each opponent you have, so probably three. Then second chapter is each opponent sacrifices a creature. That's always great. And then third chapter, pretty big ceiling, draw two cards for each opponent who controls fewer creatures than you. Like, this isn't crazy it's just accumulating a lot of pretty clean value in the form of literal like two for three for once every turn the last chapter is obviously it the floor is drawn nothing but then you're pretty far behind and the first modes help you so i'm curious to see how it plays out it's one of these cards that obviously it's not going to be broken at five mana or something but it just seems like a cool thing to have around and accumulate pretty good value, especially if you draw a card when you create a token with the first one. Ooh. Yeah, it's it as well with the legend. Yeah, uh, we all gave it a B because I, I mean, it's not, it's just not crazy. It looks pretty fair, but it also the, looks the, like super clean value. The B on it is like a low B for me. Ooh. This is a lot of this is a lot of like this is bordering a C plus. It's very, very plain, so it's not anything flashy. Uh but on top of that, it it fits well in the system that it's meant to go in, which is like a token deck, but it is five mana for an enchantment. Like it like at least I know that I don't know when these were worked on and if they were the same time as Dominaria, but like having read ahead or something like that Ooh, could make yeah, it even yeah. better. Um but just like it itself when it comes down for five mana. Unless I, I care about the flavor of it, I'm talking strictly just like for the gameplay of it, it just feels okay. Mm-hmm. So it could be a C plus, but I gave it a B, uh, like a low B, just because it is fun in a token deck. Like it, it does a few things. It, it's removal. It's got, a, it, you know, I'm an edict fanatic. So like that's why <laughs> I love me some edicts. Uh, and, and yeah, like the draw two is just a, a nice little uh, kiss on the top, right? Like, I, I I dig it, but it's just gross. Oh, six. If you I I was on the, the jackpot. I, I was on the other end where I was thinking this was like more of a high B, bordering on maybe even like an A. But I do think you got to be a token deck. For me, it really comes down to those last lower counters. If you're a token deck and can flood the board with creatures, which this does help you do, but if you're drawing four off this, I think this card's great. If you're drawing six yeah. off this, this card's busted. If you're drawing zero or two, then like, okay, you made some two twos, which is nice and it does help like support the later modes of the saga. But really, like 
I don't know. Look at Beast Within. Like, no one's scared of a random 2-2 token. Like, that's just not that hugely impactful in Commander. The Edict is a straight-up 3-for-1, but it's kind of a high-variance 3-for-1. Like, if you're getting someone's Commander or, like, some 6-drop, their Consecrated Sphinx, it's absurd. But if you're getting their token, it's not as exciting. So I think it really depends on, like, how wide can you go? If you're a go-wide deck and you're consistently going to have the most creatures at the table, even if they're small creatures, then I think this is actually, like, a really powerful effect. Even as, like, a slow saga sorcery speed, draw four, draw six, that card's so, so good. But if you're just a generic Esper deck or, like, a Krim deck that doesn't have that many creatures, then this card is, like, kind of sad because your odds of drawing a bunch of cards go down a lot if you're just playing a handful of creatures. I mean, depends. If you really go control and can keep the boards clean this way. I mean, getting three creatures, it's turn, wait, it's turn eight when this triggers. Nah, don't, don't do I mean, it. Make sure wrap, you play some creatures. But I, I think I got, you got to play like, You wrap the board, slash in the opposition agent. Oh Your God. one creature I, is the most at the I, table. You draw six. <laughs> you draw <laughs> six is so amazing, though. Like, without spending mana that turn. Like, you start the turn with, Drawing seven basically with your irregular cards it, and then it refills your hand. Oh my god! It, it could I, refill your. The, the problem it, is like yeah, this is where yeah. I wish I had read ahead, right? Like it, oh yeah, maybe I could like set it up to go off a little bit faster because you know when when I if you're a token deck, which I think is the only deck that can play this, or or some kind of go wide tri- tribal deck in Esper. Um, but yeah, like the, I I think you gotta. You got to prepare that you're, the people are noticing that you've got the most creatures and they can't just let you draw six on yeah, top the, of accruing a bunch of value, right? The edict yeah. as well is something that's not as scary if you telegraph it in this way. So if people know, <laughs> oh, next turn is going to be an edict, they're going to play some mana dog or something. Uh, but all in all, I mean, technically, best case, it's a three for one with the first mode, then a another three for one with the other one and then a six for one so yeah that's, that's like a 14 case, for 14 for insane, one or something yeah. if it all goes well yeah <laughs> that, yeah okay well if we're, if we're doing that then sure right like, and, then, and while we're at it the opponent casts only one good creature and it's yeah. their best creature yeah, yeah. You know it's just I mean? everyone only played their commander and they have to eat them all the way <laughs> oh all right let's let's keep moving on Krim, what's next on your warhammer 40k list Okay, so up next on my Warhammer list is uh, a blue-red card. Okay, it's Gerson Starn Kelomorph. It is one blue-red Ward 2 uh, and three three auto-subs? Auto-tubes. Auto-tubs? Hold on, what is that? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know Warhammer, but it does say auto three auto-tubs. Auto-tubs, right? I think it's auto-tubs, yeah. I mean, that's... Oh, oh, is there an, is there an S, S, S in there? S, auto yeah. stubs? I mean, oh, I played Warhammer stubs. and I still don't know any. I mean, the cards look kind of familiar, but it's a long time ago, so I couldn't, <laughs> could correct you. But there is an S there. After oh, the okay, auto. so auto stubs. Well, clearly, you know, as someone who's been calling things astarts and auto stubs, <laughs> why not? Right? So obviously, I don't know Warhammer, but so the. Three auto stubs. Whenever another source you control deals exactly one damage to a permanent or player, uh, Giren Starn Kelomorph deals two damage to that permanent or uh, or player. So potentially, 
Uh, I mean, Seth, I know you you tweeted about it. I think they're like all the pingers. You've seen me <laughs> yeah. play Metal Drone. You've seen me play those cards, right? And there's also some other things that people don't think about, like uh, Mana Barbs. Oh, yeah. Uh, that'll, yeah. That'll make it so that you can like deal three essentially every time you tap a land. Uh, and the nice thing here is I believe uh, Source I Control deals the damage, deals no, to it's... that permanent or player. So, yeah, you can also totally to just you. Mana Barbs. That's great. Wait, does yeah, mana barbs not affect you? It does, but you know, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're sure, here to okay. play. <laughs> yeah, just so you know, everybody's yeah, gonna die. Fun. But it's pretty. Yeah, it's such a crazy payoff for pingers. Like there were, I think there was another pinger commander. I remember something that I mean, Torbrand, for example, synergizes with it. But this is almost on the nose. All this stuff that taps for one or like. Cavalcade of Calamity is pretty sick with it as well. Yep. It's yep. such a cool, a bit on the nose with the build around, but it's efficiently costed. War 2 will pay off pretty good in the early game. Just seems... How many How many Chandras soft. just deal one, right? Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, all the bad Chandras are... Does this commander make all the bad Chandras good? I mean, maybe. I mean, the, also, the <laughs> pestilence effects. Like, what's the red one that damages uh, everything? Yes, yeah. That's just gonna yeah. Although brutal. it will die. That's probably gonna wrath it out. You'd have to yeah. make it indestructible or something. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't have morph though, so I gave it a D with a name like oh, that. Oh, I really, yeah, yeah. I really should have had morph, but um, or, or mega morph, anything yeah, or, like at all. Yeah, some some form of morph. Really though. I really like the idea of this as a pinger commander because I think going into blue is a big deal. Red, yes, has a lot of pingers and it works well with Torbrand, very similar to Torbrand in that scenario. The upside of blue though is you get, you get way more untapping shenanigans. That's what blue, like, I think offers is it's way easier to like mass untap all your creatures in blue. There's a lot of effects like that. So I think it's actually a pretty cool build around. Also, grape shot. Like, yeah, you can up the damage on things like that if you want to go, like, Storm or, like, your Niv that pings. You can go, like, Spell Slingery Storm-style stuff that's Whoa. repeatedly dealing one damage. So there's a bunch, so- of, a bunch of ways you can build around it. That's so BM. Like you're already storming, yet you need <laughs> so you need grape shot to do more damage. <laughs> you gotta you gotta rub it in. <laughs> I didn't even think of the Spell Slinger plan. I was just thinking of permanents that do it. But yeah. Technically, you can play this as your Storm Commander. I think Nith is probably better, although it works pretty great yeah. with Nith. It's just Spikefield Hazard is is a house in your back. Oh, oh, it yeah. becomes a lightning bolt. <laughs> we <Yeah>. did it. <laughs> yeah, like oh my gosh, no! Like th- this card has a lot of synergies with a lot of things. And th- what's the name of the blue pinger? It's an old one. Yeah, uh, the OG prodigal there. sorcerer. sorcerer. Yeah. I want to say. Tim. You get to it play had a nickname. the blue I, print, like, I think it's Tim is the nickname yeah, from Monty Python so. and the Holy Grail, yeah. Perfect, then. Yeah, see, like, there's there's a lot throughout Magic, lots of things in these, uh, like, the untap in blue, correct? Uh, and then you have all the pingers, and, you know, Torboran didn't work with one the one Eldrazi pinger that had Devoid. So this, though, yes. this one Ooh. does. There's also, like, I just played a standard deck with, like, Thermo Alchemist. There's, like, the bad yes. or maybe better Thermo Alchemist from the new Innistrad set that you don't have to tap. It's just when you cast a non-creature spell, it pings for one. They're out. The, the more we talk about this, the more I'm starting to think this is a really flexible commander that you can actually build around in a bunch of different ways. Like, it, it's not just, like, so much shoehorned into being this one play style. There's a lot of directions you can go with it. Roiling Vortex is all I'm thinking about right now. I'm just trying to do that every turn and lock out life gain. 
Oh, gotta gotta beat right. the one Soul Sisters player, you know, right, Seth? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm never beating that card. <laughs> too good, too good. <laughs> uh, all right, let's move on. Next up, we have a card featuring what I think is the best mechanic from the entire set, which is the squad mechanic. And the card showing it off is Space Marine Devastator. So it's a Hill Giant, a four mana three three. It's in white. It's a Asteris Warrior. It has Squad Two, and what Squad Two means is when you cast this spell, you can pay two mana any number of times, and you get a token copy of the creature for as many times as you pay. It's like multi kicker for creatures almost and then when it etbs you get to blow up one artifact or enchantment. So what this is on its face, four mana three three etb will blow up an enchantment. Not great, like a, a little bit more expensive Rex Age, essentially, although the Warrior Tribe could be relevant in some decks. But where this really shines is in the late game. If you spend six mana, you're going to get two three threes and blow up two artifacts. If you spend eight mana, you blow up three artifacts, get three three threes. So it actually scales pretty efficiently. Like being able to pay two for an upgraded Rex Age any number of times when you cast that is actually, I think, a really powerful effect. I think we rated this uh, more or less bees across the board. Actually, did I might have had it in an a i'm trying to see where it is on yeah. our list i've got um, it at b and you oh, guys you, have you it went. at a so i think this is a card that is good in a generic sense like three mana blow up an artifact with the late game flexibility but it goes up even more if you have four token mana. synergies because you're making or four mana i'm sorry four mana blow up an artifact i think that's good enough in a generic sense but then if you have token synergies i think this is an all-star if you have your anointed processions or doubling seasons or anything like that you're going to get twice as many of the token copies and then this card just like completely goes off so i like this card a lot i expect to jam in a lot of white decks uh, warrior decks token decks what do you guys think about it I like Seth and pretty high on this card. I think this card's pretty sweet. It leaves an actual, like, you know, Rex Age is, unless it's, like, you know, you care about the elf part. Like, its body is just a 2-1. Uh, this is a 3-3, which adds up when you can make tons of copies of this. And it being able to blow up an artifact or enchantment, one of the most, like, prominent and any, anything bad happening in Commander can usually result around that, right? Like, an enchantment or artifact. And the fact that you can, this scales into the late game. I love that. And and much like I had mentioned uh, and like you know Seth had mentioned, you know, it makes tokens. Why wouldn't why wouldn't you want that? You just get to build an army, blow up some things and it's like a real army. Like they are a, an actual threat at some point. Yeah. Yeah, I gave it a B because <clears throat> I mean, first of all, I love the squad mechanic. That's just exactly what I'm looking for, but Four mana, I I just don't know how many times you're going to cast it for eight mana, which is where it really, really has some impact. I mean, you can just play a Bane of Progress. It's not white, but... And it but, will destroy your own doubling season, I know. But I'm not sure how many times you, you're going to cast it for... I think six is probably the default, right? Copied once. Yeah. And it's like two, three threes and destroyed two enchantments or artifacts yeah yeah, a bit conservative with a b here maybe because i usually play green and have more options i mean it's a b plus for me but i don't think it's like that (laughs) devastating but it is a pretty (laughs) pretty cool card and great the squad mechanic is amazing i really hope they bring something like this in actual official sets because yeah, i want to play I, it online is, is it, isn't 
Isn't squad literally just kicker though? Like I, I know that every the meme is that everything kicker. is kicker, but like, but like this is actually just kicker, right? Like, like I, it really, it really is just multi kicker. <laughs> yeah, this is just multi kicker yeah. legitimately. But I and I think that it's not the like how often I, I think it's the the thing that makes me love it so much is that I could take yeah. it for more than I need to, right? Like that's just how I love my cards. I love the versatility, and it's not just like. It's a 3-3 three, three and blows up multiple enchantments and artifacts. It is multiple 3-3s. Three, and I think it's really important to point out that it's white, which is kind of the unique yeah. part. We've been comparing it a lot to, like, Rexage and Bane yeah. of Progress. White, even though you associate it with, like, disenchants, it actually doesn't have good creatures that ETB blow up artifacts and enchantments. There's, like, Core Sanctifiers, which is a 3-mana 2-3, and you can kick it for one, and you can blow up an artifact or enchantment. There's Rambunctious Mutt, which is a 5-mana 3-4, and then there's, like, Cavalier of Dawn, which it kind of beast withins with its ETB. But they just really don't have... Rex ages and so forth. So I think especially for a white card, a four minute three three with the upside of the flexibility of squad, if you're not in green and don't have access to the Rex ages and maybe like more efficient versions of this, I think that's where this is really going to shine. Just because as far as white is concerned, this is kind of above the curve for doing this. I'm amazed that there's not more of these creatures in white. I thought there would have been, but they're, yeah. I actually just like checked it on Scryfall and they really just don't get that effect for some reason on creatures. Yeah, that might be a pretty good point. Like, I'm going to play the card because I will own it, and I might be way more impressed with it than I think right now. It's just that if I if you compare it to green, it gets a little boring, like Purification Sage yeah. or whatever, the better uh, Rex Sage. Like, these, it's hard to compare them to this, but may, maybe it's better in practice that I, th- I still think it's good. But, hey, we'll see. Four mana is actually if you blow up a great hand and a soul ring with it. Let's see. Maybe I change my great even though it doesn't really matter. But yeah, it's pretty close to an A. Just seems a little safe for four mana. Three mana would be brutal. When you see four mana, it does jump out. It's a hill giant. That's not like traditionally the best stat. So I can see why you'd initially be skeptical of it. But I don't know. I really rank squad highly. I think the flexibility of being like okay on turn four but then you get in the late game and you have like 10 mana and you top deck them for like oh i just get to make five of these or like some ridiculous number and like blow up all the artifacts yeah seems seems sweet but we got to keep moving on we got a lot more cards to talk about phil i think you're up give us something good so yeah not really something good but something interesting (laughs) to consider i got sister repentia it's a five mana five one pretty competitive stats here <laughs> and it has martyrdom uh, when sister repentia dies you gain two life and draw two cards and here's the interesting part about the card it's a creature with miracle so if you draw it as your first card you draw in a turn you can cast it for its miracle cost and while this is not great still i think we all have it at c Oh, there's uh, actually a couple oh, D's in I there, I think. No, actually, you guys have it at D, and I got it at C. Yeah, I, I, yeah you shouldn't. Oh. Yeah, it's actually not good, but it's <sighs> this one with, I think, two or three more is the, are the first creatures with Miracle. And, like, if you have, I think, Volrath's Stronghold is a land that can put creatures on top of your deck. Like, putting Ooh. creatures on top of your deck is way easier okay. than other spells. It's still... I mean, okay. you pay two li- two mana, miracle, draw two, gain two, and then pay two to put it on top. It's pretty. It's still super grindy. I just want to mention that 
hey, there's Creatures <gasps> with Miracle now, which opens up for some I, cool stuff. It's interesting. It's not really powerful. It's or or <clears throat> Zavi bl- uh, Cloud Blazer. Yeah, yeah like, it, it, Cloud really, it really is. A comparison. <laughs> and if you could play a Cloud Blazer for two mana... It, it doesn't work with Panharmonicon, though. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> which is the main, the main goal. It does work with... That was what I was going to say. The, the deck I would play this, it would be Tisa Karlov, for sure. Oh, yeah. But I hadn't really thought through the, like, get it back with a land, put it on top of your deck, do it again, sack it to a Phyrexian Halter or something for value, get some mana. If you're doing it for two mana... I think it's actually a really good card. I think if yeah, it's just in your deck randomly, bad. then it's like a little bit hard to control if you're going to be miracling it the first time. But if you're actually like building your deck to repeatedly cast this for two mana, then that's that seems like legit engine. Like a two mana draw yeah, two okay. gain two on repeat. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. So I like where you're going with it. I still think yeah. five mana, it's like kind of sad. Oh, five like mana that's, oh, Five mana, five one. It's <laughs> so <laughs> bad. I think of every other scenario and it's just like, wow, this yeah. is really bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> not gonna work most of the time i'm not gonna sugarcoat it here but it will feel pretty clever if you get it into a loop and still do cool stuff if you spend your whole turn setting this up it's still not good but yeah yeah seeing creatures with miracle i thought that there should be something there wow five mana five one if it had flash oh my that would be otherwise why is it a five one i guess to jump block could use I a wonder, flash <laughs> could it be worth it in other aristocrat decks if you're in the colors like is there any way like do you think you can miracle consistently enough i think that's the question like if you're just like playing a bunch of sacrifice stuff and blood artists it two man i would love it like i would oh, i think yes. it would be like an aristocrat staple if you always could cast it for two mana but i'm having a hard time imagining like how often that's going to happen like is it going to be too inconsistent and then you're like oh my god i gotta cast this for five like do i even bother at that point <laughs> if you have a commander that puts a creature like from your graveyard on top of your library or something i don't know if there is mm. anything like this I'm but not to oh mm? from the graveyard from the oh, Runo. From any, like, wrong colors from the, but i think uh, Runo does yeah graveyard would be the best though um then i'd Say it's pretty good if you can just pull it off. Otherwise, it's so, going to be a five mana so five most of the time. She's a build around. Sister Repentia <laughs> yeah, would be yeah. a, like even after a full build around, you're it's only drawing two. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ooh, all right, let's let's keep moving forward. Krim, I think you got a card that we actually all rank pretty highly. What might it be? I, this card is almost uh, an S for me. As long as you're playing white, it's Vexilus Praetor. Um, and like the card itself is a three and white, uh, uh, custodian, custodian's warrior. Uh, it's got flash and vigilance and it's got Aegis of the empire or emperor, uh, commander you control or commanders you control have protection from everything. And it's a three, four. This is really good, right? Like, I, I think this is like, as long as you're playing white, oftentimes this will like kind of turns your commander into like a little mini progenitus, right? Uh, and I, I love that. And I also was thinking about it because as having an Aminatu deck, this means that people can attack my Aminatu and I just don't lose loyalty. It never takes any damage. So I am a huge fan of this card in my Aminatu deck. Uh, I'm a huge fan of this if you're in any kind of white base deck that like, and I feel like most care about the commander because you're clearly putting this in there. So yeah, like I don't know, is it's very simple, but it's great. It's and it, on it itself is a solid body. It is a three four vigilant. 
yeah, I I think this is the best version of the fact. It reminds me of Bastion Protector, which is a three-drop human soldier, 3-3, three, three, that says commanders you control have plus two, plus two, and indestructible. But this has flash, and it gives protection from everything, which is way better than indestructible, because you're not uh, getting exiled or whatever. So I think, like, if your goal is to protect your commander, this is just an amazing way to actually do that. So I think it's a, a very, very good option, especially for decks that really care about their commander. I think that's why I gave it an A. Like, any deck that really cares about keeping their commander on the battlefield and is in these colors, I would consider adding this to my deck. If I'm playing one of my Atagatag decks where I'm just like, hey, I'm five-color <laughs> stuff, I needed a commander, and I don't really care like if my commander lives or dies, then this obviously loses a decent amount of value if you just don't really care that much about your commander. But Yeah. What do you think, Phil? It's, it's just super solid. I usually don't play these cards, but the flash, and it's a four mana three four vigilance which could ambush something like you can it, the effect is passive anyways like if your opponent swings in and you can make some profitable blocks and then you cast your commander and then it has protection from everything so i wouldn't yeah just reserve it for the moment where like a blasphemous act would hit your commander or something but just uh, run it out there and then play your commander. And as long as it resolves, it should stay on the battlefield. I mean, Wrath of God effects still kill it. Like Sometimes indestructible is better, but it's just super solid. It's a bit boring. It's like super good at what it does, uh, but it's definitely pretty good at what it does. We all gave it an A, I think. Uh, yeah, I think it's yeah. A, a across the boards. Your commander, yeah. Uh, all right, let's keep moving on. Uh, we all know that's a really good one. And I think our next card is another one that's very similar that we all ranked incredibly highly. And that card is Tomb Fortress, which might be my pick for best card of the set. I'm addicted to lands that offer extra value. And that's what Tomb Fortress is. It's Tomb Fortress. It's a land that comes into play tapped. It adds a black mana. Or you can pay five, including a bunch of black mana. Tap it and exile it. And you mill four cards. Then return a creature card from your graveyard to the battlefield. Can only do it as a sorcery. So this is a land that has the downside of coming into play tapped. But the upside of in the late game, it's going to be able to reanimate anything in your graveyard. Which is a really powerful effect. So I think the best comparison for this card is Port of Carfell, it's called. It was a... Uncommon land from uh, a few sets ago. Is it Kaldheim? Yeah. Okay. From from Kaldheim, which is a a blue land, but then you can pay some mixture of Demir mana and six mana and sacrifice it to mill and reanimate something. I think what really makes the new version, Tomb Fortress, so much better is it's mono black. And one thing I've noticed in my commander decks is if I'm playing three colors, even two colors these days, there's a ton of lands that are competing for slots in my deck, and I have a hard time finding room for everything I want to play. But in mono black, I have plenty of room that I think I would run this in basically any mono black deck. I guess maybe there's some exception where I have, like, no creatures somehow or very few creatures. But in general, like, I think this is just a mono black staple that any mono black deck, I'm just going to jam this because I'm usually playing, you know, 15 swamps or 20 swamps. And this is a way I can turn one of those relatively useless and boring swamps into a land that can potentially generate value in the late game. So I love this card. I think this card is great in mono black in specific. Outside of mono black, I'm sure there's some two-color decks that could take advantage of it if you're really reanimator-themed, but I get a little more skeptical outside of Mono Black. But in Mono Black, I absolutely love this card. But what do you guys think about Tomb Fortress? 
I mean, I oh, I love yeah. the land previously mentioned, the Portland, and I think this land is amazing as well. Like it's it's triple black to activate, but Urborg. Any deck that usually plays black has some form of an Urborg, right? Or like, yep. like somewhere in the list, unless of course, like for budget regions or whatever, you just don't own one. But like on average, any deck of mine that has black, I play Urborg. Even three colors, I think mm-hmm. I can. Uh, the only way I wouldn't play it is if I didn't have creatures. So I think anything three or less colors, this is a pretty darn good land. Obviously, in three colors, uh, I, I'd probably be a little bit more focused on reanimating. Uh, but like one and two colors, I just feel like this is just a throw in, right? If you're playing black, obviously mono black, it's an auto include. So yeah, like this, this is a very strong land. Yeah, I was a bit shocked when I saw this one because this one is really an auto include in mono black. Um, yeah, nothing else. Too bad it exiles itself. The other ones sacrifice themselves, I think. But mono black yeah. doesn't really recur lands, anyways. Yeah, it's just very. Good if you don't plan on having an just untapped lands. Like, yeah, it's just it's just so much value I, for coming just coming into play tapped. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I, the thing that Seth said. Sorry to interrupt you there. Oh, but, good. Uh, yeah, I really don't find room for fun lands in my three plus color decks anymore. So probably wouldn't play it in like. Maybe in Sultai if I have a mill theme, but I wouldn't play it in like any Grixis deck or something. Uh, unless it's Grixis Demons, which we would probably <laughs> come to later. Uh, even that, yeah. it's just, oh, it's so good. I, I really hope this card gets reprinted or something because, yeah, why would you not play this if you play Mono Black? If you play just one creature, why not? It's, it's so I- good. I feel like this is... I feel like Wizards did a really good job with this set, not making Fierce Guardianships, Indoxide Extortionists. Them. If you see our list, look at the full tier list, you'll see it's a lot of Bs. There's a lot of cards that are really good in certain decks, but not really good outside of those decks. And even the best cards that we've been talking about, like this card and the last one, the Velix per, uh, Praetor or whatever, I think those are very strong cards. But even then, like Tomb Fortress is more of like... A mono black staple where Dockside is like, if you have red mana, play me and I'm going to be busted. Like, I don't even care. One color, four color, like, it's going to be good. So I feel like Wizards did a pretty good job of making sure the power was focused on specific archetypes, which is what I want to see out of decks like this. Although I would say I think Tomb Fortress, if I had to pick one card from the set that I think is just like the closest to being a generic staple... This might actually be the one. This might be my pick for just, like, overall number one. This was the card I came closest to giving an S-tier ranking to. Although, when I thought about it, I was like, I'm not going to jam this on a five-color deck. Like, so is it really S-tier? Like, I, I wouldn't jam it there. But I think this card is legitimately very, very good. So, yeah, anyway. We, we all have it rated at an A, by the way. A's across the board. Everyone, everyone likes this one. But let's keep moving forward. Phil, do you got another card for us? Yes, I'm gonna pick one of Thomas' cards. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. Tomer, oh, you got it. Tomer made a no. huge, an absolutely huge list before yeah, let me uh, see before which he left. One I can. Oh, you can take that one, Phil. I don't think I'm gonna to get to oh, that one. So okay, snag it. So Thomas super high on that card, and I am pretty sure it's gonna be super solid as well. It's Necron Deathmark. It's a five mana, two black, three colorless artifact creature. Necron three. Uh, five three flash. When Necron Deathmark enters the battlefield, destroy up to one target creature and that and target player mills three cards. Not 
super exciting or complicated. It's just a flash chupacabra. And here's the important part, the flash. It's a 5-3 flash, so it usually ambushes something anyways, and then it enters the battlefield and destroys something, and we probably you mill three cards because it's not too hard to reanimate this and something you melt. It's just a lot of super clean value stapled on a five drop, which is kind of pricey, but it will get its value out of it. Yeah, like destroy something, mill, ambush something. Yeah, all this together. It's an artifact creature, with, which is upsides if you want to reanimate it. Yeah. It's just a super clean card. And would I play it over Chupacabra? Probably. Over Noxious Gear Hulk? Probably. Maybe I would I... switch back to the Gear Hulk later because the life gain in the bigger body is relevant. But Flash is super flexible. So I think. Four. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, you're right. Maybe it's. Th- like this. I think this card is probably going to replace Gear Hulk. Right? Yeah, for maybe me, the flash is just super good. Yeah, I flash, one mana it's... cheaper, uh, it, it being an artifact, you know, like all of us have this rated at an A because it is just a flat-out good card. Nothing nothing wild, nothing, uh, you know, super, well, it is flashy, but, yeah. uh, but like <laughs> nothing too, well, flashy. It doesn't do anything like that is, you know, out of Black's wheelhouse, but it does exactly what you need it to do. And it is an artifact creature, and those are two types that are usually very relevant when it comes to, like, reanimating, tutoring. I don't know. There's lots of things that Black can do. And, yeah, like, this whole deck, the whole pre-con it's in, is all about milling. So if you're a reanimator deck, this is perfect for you. It's removal and a self-mill. Um, yeah. Or, or when, when you're sitting at a table with Seth, and you know he's going to draw a ton of cards. You, if you really want to, you could <laughs> mill, actually mill hit the mill plan. <laughs> mill him mill out. Him out. <laughs> I think this is the best Necrotal we've ever seen. Like I was looking through all the similar versions of it, and I'm pretty sure this is the only one that actually has Flash, which is just such an immense upside. Because like Phil mentioned, it is often going to be a two-for-one. You flash it in, you kill something, you black something else, you kill both of them. Plus, as Krim mentioned, you can mill yourself. I really like that it's split up so you destroy someone else's creature, self-mill, you're in black, you're probably going to be using your graveyard anyway. I love my Yarok decks and Panharmonicon decks. Like, those ETB triggers doubling them up. That's some of my favorite thing to do in Magic. So I think this is just, like, an all-star there. I definitely plan on replacing my Chupacabras or Gear Hulks or really any of the other versions of that effect with this card. I think it's the best one. So I think this is another one that definitely deserves its A rating. And again, like, once you get to five colors, it becomes a little sketchy. But if you got black mana and you care about your graveyard a little bit, I feel like this is very deserving of a removal slot in a lot of different decks. Krim, what do you think about this? You're the draw go player. Like, how staply is this for the play style that you like to play where you're leaving up your mana every turn. Like the flash seems like a huge deal for that style of deck. In my Drago decks, I love this, right? Just because it goes in every deck like that could probably play black. It's, it's interaction and it's instant speed interaction. So, you know, I'm a sucker for that. And on top of that, it being like, yeah, like I, I don't see this as anything more than just two removal spells. I'm hoping to trade this in with something and kill something. And then now slowly, but surely those Agadim's awakenings are making more sense in my control decks. Because now I'm not just reanimating opposition agent. <laughs> I've now got a five drop to bring back. But like in all seriousness, it it is very good. It is very good at what it does. And the flash is all the difference. 
because the the information that you have versus the information that your opponent has, this could lead to some really bad attacks. Whereas like the Gear Hulk is your turn, you spent your whole turn to do it. Uh, that you know, like the, yeah. And and this isn't just good in Drago. Just having maximum information in any deck, and then getting a threat out of it. That's that's amazing. This card's amazing. Only downside is it doesn't have a useful creature type, or like traditionally useful creature type. It has yeah. a, a Warhammer creature type, so it does, you don't get any tribal support or anything. But really, I think you can jam this in any deck, and you're probably going to be pretty happy with it. There's, there's really yeah. like it's good it's enough. That it doesn't effect. really matter what you're doing. So it's an artifact that's kind of like a tribe, right? I mean, what would a construct be better? I mean, the relevant yeah. part is the artifact I guess, creature there. I guess that's true. So, that yeah. gives you more reanimation options, more tutor options. There's a lot of additional synergies you get from being an artifact creatures so all right let's move on to crim crim what's up next so i see that it's not even on the tier list i just realized that right oh. now like but oh. yeah almost card that this I have, the, yeah. live tier tier list ranking let's yeah let's do it. We're, we're gonna do it right now so D. it's cal calidus <laughs> assassin wow rank d already wow, wow. <laughs> i don't even know um, what it is but <laughs> so calidus assassin is four blue black uh, human shapeshifter assassin flash uh, and as polymorphine uh, you may have Calidus assassin enter the battlefield tapped as a copy of any creature on the battlefield except it has when the creature enters the battlefield destroy up to one other target creature with the same name as that creature so evil twin but with an ETB right uh, it has t- so flash as well I didn't yes. notice this that's actually pretty flash sweet. was just highly praised right so you know oftentimes it it's great now that you're getting more like flashy necrotal effects. This means now your removal actually has a threat lined up with it. I can remove a creature, swing into your planeswalker. I can remove a creature, your blocker, get into face. Right? Like th- these are real. Like like the fact that this is flash is huge. And the Calidus Assassin part means that I also could just get the best creature that you have. Like being able to like I don't know copy your bane of progress right and then blow up your bane of progress and not on my turn because it, it's on etb and as seth has mentioned there's tons of things that play well with etbs this can go well in a yarok deck this can you know like it, it goes in numerous no. other decks right it doesn't really what? work with yarok though right it has only it one same name yeah but it has right. to have the same oh, name right. so it right but only... then but then you, you you can you can well you could like thing and then you flicker it right and then you hit. blink it right like i mean if you flick it yeah but yarok yeah. uh panama Yar- yarok doesn't work it'll trigger like twice i guess and on the same target but whatever right like that that's fine uh more more so like the etb part is that you get to just flicker it and then you get to yes. like bounce it up and like like off the board and do it numerous times and then it kills the same thing but the main thing is you get a clone at instant speed, and that could be really good. So being able to copy like like a bane of progress is like kind of good. I think I mean, it's I love every or, clone, oh wait yeah. oh yeah <laughs> I guess it's like hold on it just enters the battlefield I believe and kills something which is all I care about right and it enters the battlefield it clones uh, no I, I mean it's great yeah, and it clones Garuda for example like, yeah it, ETB I clone. Did we ever see a flash clone? Was there? So we do have we have we do have a Sakashima's few flash oh, yeah. clones. Sakashima's oh, protege, stunt double, stunt double yeah. mocking yep. doppelganger, and we just got activated sleeper, which is a three mana one, but it has to hit a thing that went to the graveyard this turn. But it's this a three turn. mana flash clone. Oh, yeah. um, I would say with this card, my only skepticism is six mana is like a little more than I want to pay for a clone. I like the flash upside. I like the clone aspect. I like that it's also a removal spell. You're already with a clone like incentivized to copy the best creature on the battlefield. So this is like 
I get a copy of the best creature, you lose a copy of the best creature most of the time, which is nice. And I do like that it's up to one other creature. So at first when I read it, I was like, oh no, what if I want to just like copy my thing? But you can just copy your own thing and choose not to blow it up. You don't have to blow up something with the same name. So I would give this, I know we didn't rank it before. I guess I would give it a B. It seems good for clone decks. It seems like a fine removal spell for, I don't know, assassin decks or something. It is a human shapeshifter assassin, so it has a couple of relevant creature types. So I think there's homes for it, but it's six mana. It's hard for me to think of it as, like, in auto-include in most decks. But if you care about cloning or, like, care about its creature types, it is a super cool card. Yeah, I'd rate it at a B. I I like it a lot because of the decks that I play. I think it's great there. But like the uh, like yeah, it's a B. I'm not auto including in everything, but it is nice that it just comes down, kills the best creature. Yeah, it has crazy becomes- blowout potential. I think if you just end of turn copy something crazy like their commander or something, and then you have a full turn of playing with this card, and they don't have it anymore, like that seems six mana is a lot. But if you can successfully get played in a good position, it's gonna very good still six mana so it's a b so let's do one more round but i want to do this round with a twist this is your chance to complain about something from these awesome decks so we've talked about a lot of cards that we ranked highly we talked about how awesome these decks are i really do think these are the best commander precons that wizards maybe has ever made or at least on the short list of best commander precons but even really good precons they can't be perfect. So this is your chance to pick something that you want to complain about. And uh, I will I will kick us off because this card, I just, I had to bring it up. Because this is one of the face commanders from the set. It's a mythic. And I think it's just like, it's mind-blowingly bad. I don't know the Warhammer lore, but that is uh, Sazerac the Silent King. It is a four-mana, triple black, three-four flying, legendary artifact Necron creature. And it says, whenever it attacks, mill three cards, and then you may put an artifact creature card or vehicle card from among the mill cards, the cards milled this way, into your hand. This card's so bad like it feels like this was a card they thought was like maybe it was too good and they changed it late in design or something as i was reading this card i assume that you're going to put the creature onto the battlefield there's so many hoops you got to jump through like you have to play this it doesn't have haste or anything so you got to untap with it then you got to attack with it and when you attack with it you mill three cards and then you have to hit a very specific subset of cards not any artifact it has to either be an artifact creature or a vehicle you only mill three so a lot of times you're going to whiff on that mill and not hit any of the those card types most likely and then your reward is you get a raise dead like a one mana one mana spell like that's your reward is like a semi-random raise dead so to me i don't know i don't know warhammer lore maybe this is like some super iconic character but for me this is just like the biggest flop from the set and like some of the backup commanders in this same deck are really interesting and the deck itself is really strong but this card i don't know why i would ever play this in literally any deck i gave it a d i don't know what everyone else gave it but i had to, I had to get it out there and just complain a tiny bit about how bad this card is. I think the card is like definitely. I I don't know why. I don't know what was happening. It might have been like the the four a.m. But like I I had it originally at a B for some reason when it doesn't make any sense. Uh, but like I I actually think it's like not that bad. It's just like a it, it's like a C, but like a low C. It's pretty. It's not great. It's not great for your commander for it to be your face commander. It does not do enough. Like I think the reason why is because. I I think I read it as artifact, creature, 
or oh uh, that would at least vehicle card. Yeah. That would at least reduce the odds of whiffing if it was artifact creature or vehicle rather than artifact creature or vehicle. Yeah. Yeah. Th- there is that small, tiny, like, as like assuming there was a comma there. Uh, so that makes it much worse. Uh, and the fact that, you know what? You're right. Hold on. I actually am moving it to an F, which is lower than a D <laughs> because I didn't know that it put it into my hand. I read it again and it's yeah. like, hold on. <laughs> I, I, we just always we just all assume this did good things, but no, it does the worst. Every option, Wait. it does the worst version of it. Yeah, in yeah, real time, you just like watch. Yeah, in real time, you just watch that card fall off for me. Like, oh my god, <laughs> it doesn't put it into play. Why? Back, that's, back to your hand. That'd be oh, put a vehicle so into play for free, Crim. <laughs> Whatever it would be too. That's so. What What are you worried about in mono black vehicles? Like, like, yeah. like, this is really bad, actually. Wow, this is terrible. <laughs> and this is the base uh, commander. This is the one so on the weird, front of the yeah. box. Uh, what, do you, what do you think, Phil? Yeah, I was super underwhelmed when I read it. It's <laughs> it's mills only three cards. You have to attack with it. It doesn't have haste. It does have flying, I guess. It It's only four mana. <laughs> but no, no, no. This just seems... Like so much work for us, so little. You could just draw a card, and it's probably better. Yeah, it probably is better just to straight up draw a single card. <laughs> so weird oh, because of, I just it's, wouldn't cast my commander. Yeah, I think the secondary commanders in these are always the better ones. Like the uh, uh, Manius Kaga is not the face commander as well, and I think the Tyranid commander. With the Chaos one as well. These secondary commanders are cooler, in my opinion, with all of these. Uh, yeah, but the... What is it called? Z-za, oh, I shouldn't have tried this. The Silent King. It's the worst of them all. It just seems so boring. Yeah, because... Oh, this is the same deck with uh, the Infinite Commander, too, yeah. which is, like, one of the most hyped commanders from the set that, like, just gets all the activated abilities of all artifacts. Like, that's a legit epic card. Like, I don't know if it's going to be fun to play with. It seems like it kind of just, like, nope. does one thing over and over again. Yep. But it's a really, like, kind of jaw-dropping style. Wow, I can't believe they made that. And then the face commander's just like, eh, yeah, maybe I'll give you something back to your hand. Like, attack with me. Like, you can do it. So... I don't know. That was my complaint, but Phil, you got a complaint for us. Is there any card or anything you dislike from the set? Yeah. So I got the Imperial... What is it called? Forces of the Imperium deck. And it is quite some time ago since I played Warhammer and I played Elder and Nurgle, so Chaos. Um, But I do remember as a child that Titans were these crazy expensive and huge things and they were like invincible, especially for somebody like me who didn't know what they did. So I just assumed they would just win the game by themselves. And there is a Titan in the deck and I'm not sure if that's one of the huge Titans you saw in the Codices, although it looks pretty huge, but it's a seven mana 10-10 with protection from mana value three or less. (laughs) <laughs> and when it attacks, it deals five to each opponent with crew four. Cool. I, I guess it doesn't get blown up by Rex Sage, but that is so <laughs> underwhelming for seven banner on a vehicle. I mean, 
What is the vehicle that torments me in historic, the one with Grease Fang? Perhelion. Perhelion? Oh, uh, Perhelion, yeah. yeah. Is that eight or seven mana? Eight mana. Eight mana, but it makes like a million angels when it yeah, attacks. And you still it's don't like, play it's it. like does yeah. all this stuff. Yeah, and yeah, it's and still only still played to cheat play. in the play. It's, if you, yeah. And this one is just, I mean, even if you cheat the Reaver Titan into play, it's sure. I don't care. Like, what are you going to do with this? I mean, uh, at it least reminds it's in the me... same deck as the. Uh, the four drop that destroys an enchantment or artifact, so you, the opponent will likely not blow it away unless you play the mirror match. And in regular commander, this is just, I I don't know, this seems so underwhelming, especially for a Titan, which had such a huge, like as a child, I always imagined these were insane. Doesn't yeah. look too insane in magic. <laughs> It's funny, I feel like that's something that has been a repeated issue with crossover products, that sometimes these, like, creatures that are supposed to be really epic don't come across quite as epic. I remember this being a criticism of the first D&D set with the Terrisk or whatever, where, oh, yes. like, the green mythic, yeah. and everyone was like, this is, like, the, it was, like, the Emrakul of D&D or something, just, like, the most, like, crazy, ridiculous creature. And then we saw the card, everyone was kind of like, oh, like, that's, I don't know, that doesn't meet my expectations. So, I don't know if that's something they kind of improve on in the future with these crossover products. I don't know how you, like, you can't really outdo Emrakul in a Warhammer 40k commander deck or something, but maybe yeah. they need to figure out a way to make the, the epic big things feel a little bit more epic, because this this is the second time that I've like kind of heard that same feedback no, about the whole crossover products. Was like that. They said, "Oh, <laughs> huge monsters." Yeah, you can mutate like four fours on top of each other, but they're still four fours. <laughs> yeah, that made no sense. Yeah, that didn't make any sense. Although mutate was a sweet mechanic, even though oh, yeah, you're it right, was. it didn't feel very monstrous and epic. So it should have oh. added the stat of what mutated yes. on. <laughs> All right, Krim. What's your complaint for us? <clears throat> I'm going to clear my throat for this one. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, as you know, we play Magic, you know, and whatnot over time. I think uh, we have noticed there's been a constant return of certain types of lands. <laughs> and I'm going to go over why do we keep getting these terrible snarls and temples. Like, foreboding <laughs> ruins, game trail, choked estuary. Why do these keep getting added into the commander <laughs> decks? Why do we keep getting temples? Like, port, like, 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 put prairie stream. That's fine. Sunken hollow. That's great. Why do we have the temples and, 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 and the really, really bad snarls? Why yeah, couldn't the they just, like, put, Why a, the like, worst? like just put a watery grave, put one of the battle bond lands, right? Like, come on. Yes. Right? Like, like, what? like, 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 like what? Why do we keep getting these terrible lands? <laughs> yeah. yeah, shock it, lands. Uh, I get, I guess, but why sure. the commander lands? Aren't they? In I your commander precon, they were like defaults for pre-constructed decks until I found out they're not, and it's always snarls and temples. I sometimes like a temple, but a snarl? No way. <laughs> this is oh, no. And like, and they do the, the same with every. Every single precon, every single pre-con. time. So that means, like, if you bought the last set of precons, you probably already have your snarls in your temples. So, like, future precons, like, kind of lose value to you if you're someone who buys the precons a lot because it's just like, oh, these same three land cycles that we reprint every single commander precon. I'd love to see more diversity. I don't expect them to put fetches and shocks in there, but you got to be able to break it up a little more than a little more than this. Like, you can't just snarl us every single precon. <laughs> 
Actually, they can, so, and they have been. Like, and, and like, it's like funny that it's like the Warhammer precon, right? Like, this if there is a significant IP, right? Like, you want to do it for a universe beyond. That's a big enough reason to, for the love of God, one time just not put snarls and temples into a deck. Like, please, just the battle bond lands would work. Like the names yes. of some of the battle bonds lands work, even like work with like the theme. Like they're all there. <laughs> you could put the Commander Legends battle bond, whatever that whole cycle into these decks. Like. Come on, right? Like there's, there's, there's just no way. And we, I, I, we just keep getting these terrible, terrible, terrible lands. Like, come on. Yeah, it's such yeah. a good point that you don't don't really add to your collection if you get precons. Like you just yeah. stack up on snarls, and best case you play none of them. <laughs> uh, that's awful. <laughs> Yeah, that's, I mean, that's been a long criticism of Commander Precons, and I do love these Precons, I think they're legitimately yeah. great, but the mana still leaves a bit to be desired, both in the, just the lands that they chose, once again, and they still got like 25 basics or something in the three color decks, I think you could have used more dual lands in an absolute sense, too, like, 25 basics is, ooh, that's a, that's a lot if you're playing a, a full-on three color deck, so yeah. hopefully that's I, something we see more <laughs> improvement in in the future, although... I don't know. I guess they added so many new cards to these decks that maybe that's like the excuse that we spent all of our time like working on the new cards. So we just <laughs> okay. had to snarl you one more time. <laughs> so we couldn't add a land that like we are it, that's already been designed and existed. Like you know, like we couldn't replace one of the fifty. I now have more snarls and temples than I do basics in my household. I'm pretty sure. Like I like like. <laughs> I feel like this mana base was just copy and pasted from like the last Grixis deck and the last Teamer deck. I'm pretty. We're gonna have to check. That it might be the same exact mana base as last year. Yeah. Let's go around, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Anyway, I think those are all the cards we're going to talk about today. Any other thoughts on the Warhammer precons on the way out to the door today? Uh, again, look up our tier list. You can see all the cards that we rank. They look awesome. What do you guys think? Any closing thoughts on Warhammer 40k Commander? I know. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. I, I I don't know anything about Warhammer, um, but they did a good job in making it appeal to me. Um, some things that I, I guess I wish moving forward is that like, I mean, this is a personal thing, uh, and is that like, I thought the, the artwork would be like wilder. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh. Like, just like, cause, cause again, I've mentioned this before. It's not universes next door. It's universes beyond <laughs> like it, it, it need, I, I thought it'd be just way more different. And I know that this but is like along looks... the lines of what is Warhammer art, right? Yeah. I don't know. I just thought it'd be like. I think of Universes Beyond, and I kind of associate it with like how like Secret Layer does like a bunch of wild arts for like the Serum Visions and and all of that stuff. And and like I am, this is nitpicking. It's not like a real reason that like I think I, like obviously I bought these decks. Like I just think that like oh, the art is nice, but it just is magic, right? Which is yeah, fine. Like that's totally warmer. fine. It's, it's literal Warhammer. So sure, I like it is literal Warhammer. Heart. I, I but, that's that's just my I, I thought it'd be wilder like it'd yeah. feel there'd be like imagine like if you added like a, a like a Sin City or like a a Frank Miller kind of like comic book grit to it right but like why? I thought it'd be grittier I, and less I feel like, like CGI uh, generated. I feel like it's it's tough with these crossover products because I'm assuming like Game Workshop or whoever it is that makes 40k like. It's got to be a collaboration, so maybe it's not all on Wizards in these cases, and maybe they're like, hey, like, if you're going to do this, like, we want you to use, like, our art or the official art or make it look like this, so I don't know how much, like, 
how much of it is on Wizards and how much of it on Game Workshop? Do they even have the option? Could they do like ridiculous showcase, you know, Sin City versions if they wanted to? Or is it like Game Workshop that would be like veto that and be like, no, like you're trying to like whatever promote our game here and we need our actual art to be out there. So I feel like with the universe is beyond it's it's tricky to know like all the details of it. Well, you can leave the art then like it's not like the art's bad by any means, but like what about yeah. the borders? Like, look at the borders. You could easily yeah, have like, a little, little fancy. They are a bit different. But, but like, yeah, like I guess. Not, not like the grit that I would expect. Right? Like, I get the steely artifact look of like, you know, the Emotech, like that whole mono black deck. But like some of the other stuff, like it just feels like it could use more, I don't know, like, I guess like a little bit of like a filter over the borders, right? And add a little more like. Well, there is a filter. You, you right, mean a bit, but, bit, like, bit grainy. more. Yeah. Yeah, like I mean, a like grainy filter over filter. that would be that'd be awesome. Yeah. I, I don't <laughs> know I enough just... about Warhammer to even to even delve into. I don't know. Maybe, maybe this looks like where I'm at. Maybe it doesn't. I just don't know enough about the game. But that is interesting. Interesting feedback that maybe they could do something yeah. even more creative with the artwork and the borders and stuff on some of these because I do agree that like compared to some of the wild seeker layer drops these do look like kind of normal magic cards there's a little bit of a twist and the borders are a little bit different but compared to some of the like far out like band poster layer drops or tattoo layer drops some of the crazier things wizards does this is pretty tame i guess overall that's that's a plus for me actually i i really like that they will fit into my decks because i mean my my deck my manios guy deck will have mostly non warhammer cards uh, the only thing I really don't like is the reprintability is very limited. And if something like the Tomb Fortress or something gets out of hand price wise, although Tomb Fortress is very reprintable, but that one's, yeah. we'll, we'll see. Resist doesn't it's really more like, of like the doing this. Astartes. Looks like. Yeah, if, yeah, if Necron yeah. Deathmark needs to be yeah. reprinted, what are you gonna do? Like, what's yeah. a Necron? How do you bring that to Magic? Like, I that's something I'm concerned about too. Is how you're gonna reprint these? Do you have a plan for reprinting these? Do you have the rights to reprint what? these? Uh, it doesn't sound like it from the little bits of information that we've got so far. It sounds like Wizards is kind of like, oh, we're just not planning on reprinting them at this point, and it'll be fine. That concerns me as someone who wants to see everything reprinted and prices kept cheap. Uh, yeah. So, I, but again, I guess Wizards is just like figuring all this stuff out and Universes Beyond is is new. And to their credit, when we had the big issue with the Walking Dead Seeker layer drop, Wizards actually responded pretty well to that and was like, okay, we'll print magic versions, inset boosters. Like, we got a plan, we figured it out. And that was a pretty good solution, I think. So hopefully, if the feedback on this is... You gotta have a plan for reprinting them. Hopefully, Wizards takes that to heart and we get something similar to what they did with the Walking Le- uh, Dead Secret Lair Drop, where they, they do did have a. Never do it with the Walking Dead. <sighs> they did do it with Stranger Things. Stranger Things, yeah. yeah. Didn't they say they were gonna do it with Walking yeah, Dead I mean, now, though? They I don't think we've actually seen them yet, but I think they things. did say they were. <laughs> <laughs> that's true that is true <laughs> uh anyway i love the decks i mean for me i don't even care about warhammer 40k and i was a little concerned that it was going to be too unlike magic for my taste because i know a lot of people have been like is my immersion going to be broken as we go to all these different worlds a lot of these cards like other than having weird creature types if you told me this was just a normal commander deck I wouldn't know any different. Like, whatever. They look magic enough to me. The characters, like, they're going to fit right in. I think it's going to be fine. I don't think anyone's, you know, immersion is going to be destroyed because of this. So I feel like Wizards executed this outside of maybe the mana bases and a few specific cards we talked about. I think they executed it pretty well overall. And it's making me feel a little better about Universes Beyond as a whole because I 
was someone who was kind of like on the fence and like, I don't know. But I actually actively like this one. This is the first Universes Beyond product where I'm like, I'm going to get these decks. Like, I like these cards. I like the look of them. So I guess well done, Wizards, overall, I would say. But... Anyway, that brings us to the end of our podcast for today. So you've seen our rankings. You heard us talk about the Warhammer 40k cards. Let us know what you think. Jump in the comments. What cards are you most hyped for? Which cards are you most disappointed in? Which ones are you picking up? Are you going to play with them? What are you building with these cards? Let us know in the comments. And we will be back next week with the full crew to talk about something. I don't know if we figured that out yet, but we'll let you know. So thanks for listening, everyone. And this is a crew signing out.